Hey everyone, my name is Dave Mellon and I want to welcome you to the Valor Fire Training Podcast. We're glad you're here because this podcast is designed for you, the fire service community, to learn about tactics, training, and culture. In each episode, we'll sit down with influential firefighters to discuss hot topics and current events. Before we dive in, remember that you can find entertaining video versions of each episode along with more on our YouTube channel. Now let's dive in. Hey guys, this is your host, Dave Mellon with Valor Fire Training, and we're here with our next episode of Q&A with the one and only Chief Dennis Riley. Chief, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely, my pleasure. I uh, I feel completely underdressed for this whole occasion. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is what happens when you promote off the line and you go to staff work. You get to walk around with a shirt and tie on all day long. So, yeah, it sounds horrible. <laughs> you know... I really enjoy what I do, but there are many, many days where if I had a chance to go back to a t-shirt and shift work, I'd say thank you and do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself for those uh, who have not heard about you or don't uh, know a whole lot about you? Uh, certainly. Uh, you know, my name is Dennis Riley. I am the fire chief here in Pittsburgh, Kansas. Uh, I've been here since October of 2020. Uh, I've got probably, as much as I hate to admit this, about 46, 47 years in the business. Started young as a volunteer on Long Island. Uh, I'm an Army vet. I spent about seven years in the U.S. Army. I volunteered throughout the time I was in the Army. Uh, I got out of service, uh, and I basically went on the job. I've been a, I've been a professional firefighter or career firefighter in North Carolina, I'm, I'm a retired battalion chief out of Cherry Hill, New Jersey. I spent about a little over 18 years up in Cherry Hill. I went up there as a captain. Uh, I got promoted to battalion chief. I was a shift commander for right about nine and a half years. Spent my last six months at headquarters. Uh, retired out of Cherry Hill. Kind of bounced around a little bit. Did some uh, high threat work overseas with uh, Chase Sergeant. Uh, retired deputy out of Virginia Beach. Chase and I were actually roommates in Iraq. So I spent a couple of years there. I uh, came back to the States. Uh, I, I was the fire chief in Sunrise Beach, Missouri for just shy of seven years. Spent a couple of years out in California working, left California in October 2020. And here I sit in the great state of Kansas. And then you came to the right place, which is Kansas. Uh, you know, uh, in all honesty, I, I'm very comfortable in the Midwest. Uh, it's a nice feel. I enjoy it. I work for a great city. I got a fantastic city manager I work for. I got a great organization. We got some really sharp, dedicated people here. And I have no, no regrets. I'm very happy. That's awesome. And, and you know, the first time that we actually met, I, I had seen some of your stuff on social media. Uh, and the first time that we met uh, was when you were up there doing some stuff with FD Tactics uh, with, at the Revolutionary Fire Tactics at the Lake. And just the golden nuggets that you were dropping during those classes and, and, you know, I would stop and just listen and it was great. It was so cool because you're really dialed in on the, on the training ground. Uh, and you know, the, the way that you took some of the younger, newer people, uh, and you were mentoring them, it just, it left a lasting impression on me. And I can't even imagine how much of a lasting impression it left on them. So. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, I, I certainly appreciate the kind words and I must say that I've been just fortunate, uh, beyond belief to work for some great organizations and to work for, work with some just outstanding professionals. And 
there's not a lot that I can take credit for. All I can do is take what was given to me and make sure that it gets passed on to the next generation. Sure. And I, you know, I truly think that all of us, as we rise into senior positions in our organizations, uh, if you're just a senior firefighter, if you're the fire chief or anything in, in between, you know, we have that moral and professional obligation to share what was given to us because knowledge is of no use unless it's shared. So yeah. that's what I try to do. And, you know, hey, sometimes, you know, sometimes I do pretty well. Well, you, you do all right at it. And the and the other side of this thing is that for those of you that don't know Chief Riley, uh, he is uh, <clears throat> very blunt and will tell you how he sees it. Uh, and so that's actually why I chose you for this. Uh, and, and you were graciously uh, willing to accept to answer this question. So I got this from an anonymous emailer. Uh, they didn't put their name, which is fine. I understand. And, and for those of you that send in questions, I get it. Sometimes you don't want to put your name on it. Uh, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but this person sent in They're They're from the South. I will say that I don't want to go any further, you know, give any more descriptors, but uh, they're from the Southern part of the US. Uh, and it says I work for a department that supports independent thinkers and wants us as company officers and the back end firefighters to do the right thing for the right reason. A newly promoted battalion chief that I work under constantly questions everything we do and seems to not have the right understanding from what our culture is. I have tried discussing this with him. Uh, but he still continues to question everything and wants justification for what we do. How do you build a better relationship while continuing to still be able to do the right thing when it's needed? And, you know, I think judging by that question, I feel like almost everyone in the fire service, if you spend any amount of time, uh, you can understand that there are bosses that get the culture and then there's bosses that don't get the culture. Uh, and so, you know, we, we all kind of struggle with that, but what, what's your take on this? I mean, what would you tell someone that has this problem? Well, you know, th there's so many different facets to this one question. Uh, you know, first, you know, first and foremost, you're in a tough spot, you know, whoever you are, man, you're in a tough spot, you know, it's going to be uncomfortable and, but in a leadership role, when it, it, it sounds to me like this individual is in a leadership role. It sounds like he's a company officer. One of the things that, you know, we just have to do is we got to accept the fact that our workplace is going to make us become comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. You're just in a tough spot. You know, that's just the way it is. You're probably not going to get inside the battalion chief's head and rearrange his DNA that or, or her. They are what they are. So accept the fact that they are what they are, accept the fact that you're gonna to have to be comfortable being uncomfortable, but ask yourself a couple of questions. And I don't have enough information to know this. If they're quartered in the same firehouse as the battalion chief, you're gonna to have to kind of walk through the minefield. If you're not in the same firehouse as the battalion chief, maybe it's just a matter of putting on a good face for 20 minutes. When they drop in, you know, hey, chief, how you doing? You know, try to build a relationship, try to be a little bit friendly. I mean, you can say what you want about kissing somebody's ass, you know, and I'm not a real big believer in that because <laughs> I can be kind of blunt, sure. like, you, like you alluded to. But at the end of the day, I mean, there's no sense in taking a sledgehammer to the boss's hand. Right. They are the boss, you know, management. I, I had a labor lawyer a long, long time ago told me that 
management reserves the right to manage poorly. So they're your boss. You know, one of the things that I would try is, is, you know, I would say, hey, boss, let me make sure my expectations or your expectations for me are clear. How do you expect me to manage my firehouse? How do you expect me to operate on the fire ground? Just, just tell me what you want so that I know, so that there's no guesswork between us. And it, that may be enough to crack the door and say, okay, boss, I hear what you're saying, but you know, the chief is encouraging everybody to take initiative. You're my direct supervisor and I respect your role and I will do as you're told, as I'm told, and you're saying this, but I'm getting this message from the fire chief. How do you want me to navigate that? And I think in these situations, put it back on them, you know, and, and, and not very confrontational, you know, try to try to be gracious about this and say, hey, look, boss, I'm not trying to be a, a, a jerk about this. I'm not trying to set you up. I'm not trying to, you know, lead you down the road where I can say, I got you. I just want to know for myself and for the people under my command, because I'm going to lead my folks in the direction you tell me to. And I just want to make sure that we're all in the right place. So I would try that strategy. And, and the other thing that I think is real important is fire, firefighters are very, very smart, very, very astute people. So the people in this person's command sees everything that's going on. They know it, okay? They're not dumb, they're not ostriches with their heads stuck in the sand. So I would tell my, I would tell my folks, hey, look, we gotta play the game. You know, we got to try to figure out how we're going to move through this thing. But the boss is here for 20 minutes and he's in his car. He's going to the next station. So for the 20 minutes he's here or she's here, we're going to do what we have to do. But the minute they pull out of the driveway, as long as we're not doing something that's illegal, immoral or unsafe, we can run our business the way we run our business. And we can just keep our business to ourselves. Let's focus on doing, instead of focusing on this conflict, let's focus on hitting the street and go do a walkthrough of a high hazard property. Let's go focus on doing a time devolution. How long does it take for us to get a 24 foot extension ladder off of the rig, down the alley, behind the building, fly up to the second story window? Let's put let's just go out and do that. Let's concentrate on that and let's put a stopwatch. And how long does it take you? How long does it take you? How long does it take me? And we'll write the times down and let's see if we can in a month concentrate on that skill and knock 10 seconds off of our time. Because 10 seconds can make a difference. Absolutely. And I, think, I think once you get out of the firehouse and once you put a little bit of distance between your company and this perceived conflict, you can just focus on the important stuff. Right? And there's so many important things to focus on. And it seems to me that organization wants to encourage initiative and, and some other things. And I applaud them for that. And I, I'm a big follower of Jocko Wilnick. And Jocko always talks about empowering people and encouraging initiative. Absolutely.
in the fire service, part of that initiative is being able to rapidly deploy a hand wipe. It's being able to rapidly do your skills. So I think there's so many things that have, there are so many things that we can spend our time and our energy doing that distances ourselves a little bit from this particular, you know, interpersonal situation. So that's my advice. And the other thing that, you know, the other thing that I would say is it sounds like it's a career fire department and their staff or whatever. Most organizations do not give you a life sentence. Right. So that means sooner or later, there's going to be a transfer. Okay. Sooner or later, you're going to promote, you're going to get an opportunity to move on. Sooner or later, this battalion chief's going to be transferred. They're going to go to staff or they're going to go to a different battalion. And just accept the fact that sometimes you got to bide your time. You know, you don't want to do anything today that's going to adversely impact you for the rest of your career. I, I think Brunacini's got a, you know, Brunacini's got a line. And, and I think Brunacini did a lot of good things. And there's some things that I kind of scratch my head about. But, you know, it, every, every one of us is like that. I mean, I got, I, I got folks that, you know, have worked for me at, you know, one point or the other that, you know, probably wished that I died 20 years ago. And it's like, <laughs> but one thing that Brunacini said that always made sense is don't ever say anything when you're angry that makes you feel good. Just yeah. don't do it. Just just don't do it. Just just try to engage. So I would try all these things and see what happens. And at the end of the day, the boss is the boss. And you know, you just gotta say, hey, you know, they're they're the boss. Hopefully they're not quartered in the same firehouse because when they're yeah. quartered in the same firehouse, that makes it a little bit difficult. But you still get on the rig. You know, you can still go out and train. You can still do territorial studies. You can still go throw ladders. You can still go stretch hose in the parking lot. It, I think that, you know, it seems to me that this is a company officer. And if you're engaged in doing productive work, I doubt that the battalion chief is going to tell you to stop so they can, you know, put their thumb on you. So I sure. would try those things and see what happens. Yeah, no, I love it. And, and, you know, the thing that you spoke about, you know, I, I, and I've been a firm believer of this for a long time, idle hands are the devil's playground. And in the firehouse, that's no different. If you are sitting around doing nothing, uh, your crew, one negative person will turn into five or 10 or, <laughs> or 15 negative people. So it's, it's definitely uh, contagious. The other thing that I love what you touched on um, is finding the good and going and doing the good. And, and, and Lord knows anybody that knows me well knows that I've always uh, struggled with staying out of trouble. I have found a knack for somehow wherever I am, I always find my way into those situations. Um, but one of the things that I had a similar situation, uh, I had a very questioning boss and they wanted to know my justification for everything. And I always sat in the background and when we would do things, I would wait for them to approach me. Um, and one of the things that I started doing was approaching them first. You know, we had a, a situation where we, we ended up going outside of our jurisdiction by like a quarter mile. 
uh, for a cardiac arrest because the other fire department didn't have anybody responding. Well, if we asked, the other department would have said no because they were doing that for a year where we would offer our assistance and they kept saying no. And then we listened to them on the radio struggle for the next 30, 40 minutes. And so uh, as a company officer, I said, no, no, I said, just load up on the rig. Let's go. And my crew was like, man, you're going to get in trouble. I said, I know. But I said, well, we'll figure it out later. Let's just do the right thing. Uh, And so when we got back, the first thing I did was picked up the phone and I called the boss and I said, hey, here's what I did. This is why I did it. I just wanted to let you know. And I was so amazed when he goes, okay. He goes, thanks for the phone call. I appreciate it. Yeah. You know, just by him not having to come to me after the fact, after he heard about it, by me coming to him and saying, this is what I did. This is why I did it. He was totally fine with what we did. Yeah. So, you know, I, you know, I, you know, here's another thing that, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, we're, we're going a little bit off, but, you know, I'll try to bring it back and, you know, and make it applicable to this exact question. You know, what I tell officers all the time is sit down with your company and make your critical skills list, okay? If you're on an engine, what are the critical skills that engine whatever in two potato Idaho has to do? You know, what are those skills? And you may have, you know, you may not be using two and a half hand lines. You may have to do make and break evolution. You know, every engine company is gonna have a unique set of challenges in their first do, okay? Every truck company, Every squad company, every rescue is going to have a unique set of challenges. So get all your people together, brainstorm, write the list down, and then go to the battalion chief and say, hey, boss, I sat down with all my folks and we tried to identify those critical tasks. Okay, And the curveball, the oddball things that are going to come up. These are things that are going to put us all in a pickle when they happen. Here's my list. Hey, boss, what do you think? Did I miss anything? Hey boss, is there something on that list that shouldn't be on the list? Hey, can you think of something that should be on that list? Hey boss, if I dedicate an hour a day to train on these topics, is that a good move on my part? And just put it back on them. And in all honesty, let them be the boss. You know, here you go, you know, here you go boss. Now, if, that boss comes back and said, now, nah. <laughs> then you know what you're dealing with, you know, you know, but find out if they make like chocolate chip cookies, bake them some cookies, give them a cup of coffee and, you know, just, you know, limit how they're going to negatively impact you, but try to engage with them. Say, Hey, Hey, look, boss, you know, my job, part of my job, you're, the, you're the chief. Okay. So you're going to be the incident commander. So anything that happens rest firmly on your shoulders. What I'm trying to do is identify those difficult and critical things that happen so sporadically that we don't get caught flat-footed, that I don't get caught flat-footed and that I'm able to execute in a way that's going to help you do your job. So here's my list. What do you think, boss? Am I on the right track or not? Yeah. And, and I love the fact that that opens up those lines of communication because I feel so often in the fire service and I've been guilty of it too. And I know you have, sure. we get so frustrated and, and we're so upset about something that we'll sit there and we'll stew on it, but we never actually go talk to the person and we never actually go and say, okay, Hey chief, 
I'm really frustrated because I thought I was doing the right thing. And I know you're questioning it because you want an explanation, but in the future, how do you want me to handle this? Instead, it's here's my justification. And then I go back to the kitchen table. And hopefully as a company officer, you're not venting about that to the crew. Cause then that all that does is makes people more disgruntled, but, but, you know, in, I love what you said about having that conversation. So as a chief, you know, and one of the things in this question that really stood out to me was that he talked about the department having a culture of doing the right thing for the right reason. So I want to pick your brain and we don't know enough specifics from this person. Um, but I am a firm believer as a captain uh, where I'm a company officer and, and I hope that I can work for people. Uh, and I do to an extent where, you know, if somebody's car's broken down and they need a ride to the gas station, we give them a ride to the gas station. If, you know, somebody, you know, has a lawnmower that starts on fire. Listen, if you want to take your lawnmower and go mow their lawn, I don't really care. You know, that's fine. I, I, you know, it's not going to bother me any. Um, and then I know that there's people on the other end of the spectrum that think that that's pointless and not useful. So, What's your take on that? I mean, what would you tell people in your department? Well, you know, it's it's really interesting because uh, it's like anything else. You know, you can take, there is a way in this world to figure out how to make something good into something bad. And if you work hard enough, you can do it. I, you know, my, you know, my kind of, you know, my approach is, you know, did you do any harm? What happens if that was your father, you know, when he's out and his lawnmower burns up? You know, did we use the city lawnmower? Yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah. For me as the boss, you know, if somebody was to, you know, raise some cane about, it, all right, I'll put two dollars back in the petty cash drawer and pay for the gas. It's you know, as long as you maintain, you know, operational readiness, you know, it's not really a bad thing to be nice, but on the other side of this coin, I will say firmly that Mrs. Smith, more than anything, wants you to be able to execute when her house is on fire and her invalid husband is trapped in a survivable space. Your first due, second due company is doing CPR and the third due company just got in an accident okay it's great that you cut the lawn for the guy I, I mean and i get it you know and it's great that you take him to the gas station i applaud you for that i mean the story what was it a couple of years ago the guy was pouring concrete and he had a heart attack and they went back out there and finished the sidewalk <laughs> those things are all great i mean you know they leave a good taste in everybody's mouth but the one thing that i want more than anything from my people is that focus on the operational readiness, tactical mindset. Now that doesn't mean that you can be a flaming asshole to Mrs. Smith because you're a great firefighter. You know, you gotta kinda, you know, modulate and navigate through that minefield. But I think that, you know, we're all very, very capable of doing both. And, you know, is that my expectation? for the folks to work for me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and it's funny, uh, because when you talk about those situations, it, it really, I mean, you can, you can hypothetically, what if everything to death, but, uh, you know, I have always 
tried to do the right thing for the right reason. And, and those that I surround myself tried to do the right thing for the right reason. But uh, we just recently had a situation not too long ago uh, on the career side, I was on the ambulance and a guy called 911 and he was complaining of really vague medical issues. And so when we showed up, we got the real story, which was he was he got kicked out of his house. He didn't have a ride home. He lived in the next town over. Uh, we butt up against that jurisdiction. I mean, it was like 10, 15 minutes up the road. And so, you know, we're the only ambulance in service. And so I didn't really want to go out of our district. Uh, it's two something in the morning. I really don't want to call my boss, <laughs> you yeah. know? And so yeah. it's like, we're, we're toying back and forth. And so it's like, okay, can we get a hold of the police officers? And maybe the police officers can give them a ride. Um, and so what it ended up being, I was fully ready to just get this dude into Uber, uh, you know, and I said for like 10 bucks, I'll give him an Uber and I'll give him a ride back to wherever he wants to go, you know, and, and, and then that way he can't, you know, end up on the street or whatever. Uh, and so right before we did all this stuff, he goes, well, I got a hold of a friend. He's going to come pick me up now. And I said, okay, that's cool. But it, it's, it's, it would have been so easy for us to just load him up in the ambulance and leave. But like you said, what happens when a cardiac arrest comes out two blocks from the station and we're 10 minutes up the road? And it's funny that you said that because I would have uh, I would have done the exact same thing, pull the Uber up, pull the Uber app up on my phone, and just say, hey, just yeah, I, you know, if you don't, he, here is the problem, and and this is something that you know I just fault the fire service as a whole for. We don't talk about making these type of decisions before we promote people. Yeah. yeah. 99% of the time you take a test, no, 99% of the time you prepare for the test. Okay, so you're successful on the test. Here's your badge. Good luck. Now go figure this shit out. Okay, and then you end up at two o'clock in the morning scratching your head saying, what do I do? So, you know, I would have done the same thing. I mean, I would have pulled the Uber, you know, the Uber app up and tried to do something to solve the problem. You know, the flip side, that's what is just so complex about being a company officer that so many fire departments don't prepare their people for. Say you don't do anything with this guy, okay? And say he's intoxicated and you drive away and say, look, pal, you're on your own. I'm not the taxi cab service. You drive away and he walks out in front of a car and he gets hit. Right. So now what? <laughs> so, you know, circle back. You had the, you had the opportunity to intervene and you didn't. And now the guy's in critical condition because he wandered out in front of a car and he got ran over. Yeah. And that goes back to that thing that I said, where I really am looking for my people to do both, you know, have that tactical mindset, but not be a jerk either. Right. Because it's some way, you know, you, if you lean, it's like everything else in the world. If you lean too hard to one side, you're going to create a gap on the other and the gaps are where bad things happen. Right? I just don't think that we spend enough time talking to our people about these things and preparing people to, to make these difficult, you know, situ you know, make these difficult decisions in very complex situations. Yeah. And, and, you know, from a company officer standpoint and even a backend firefighter standpoint too, you know, for the chiefs out there that are listening to this, uh, and, and, and chief Riley, let me know what you think, but I, I want to know that my chief is going to back me up. If I do the right thing for the right reason, as long as I have a justifiable reason, uh, you know, we can talk, if it was some weird situation, I'll call you, but otherwise 
you trust me to be in charge of a multi-million dollar piece of apparatus with all the equipment you you entrust me to take care of people of humans yeah right and on the ambulance uh on the career side you know you trust me to have medications that can kill someone but i can't change the thermostat or i can't decide to call an uber and so that's that's always that pivotal thing of like if I do the right thing for the right reason, if I do something wrong, let's talk about it. If I don't, then just let it be, you know? Yeah. And, but I, but yeah, we don't talk about it enough. And then it leaves those gray areas. Well, I think, uh, I, I think another, uh, you know, another facet of this, and it's something in all honesty, you know, I kind of struggle with, you know, to be honest with you. I mean, I like, you know, sitting in the kitchen and, you know, and I like, you know, uh, you know, I, I enjoy the firehouse life. I have to be careful because I'm the chief because the line for me is a lot closer to my right foot than it was when I was a captain. With all that being said, if you believe in the things that, you know, I've talked about and the things that we've talked about, then you got to communicate that with your people. And that means, in my opinion, that you got to come in to work a little bit early and spend a little bit of time in the kitchen. Uh, you got to spend, you know, you got to spend time with your people at four o'clock in the afternoon, go eat dinner and come back and do your office work at eight o'clock at night, because you got to have these exchanges so that your people get a read on what your true intent is. And I have monthly platoon meetings and, and and I, you know, I don't know. I don't open my door, door so the guys can hear us. And I know what happens. I send out the agenda and I come in in my, you know, prissy ass white shirt and I posture around and I say, does anybody have anything to put in? Does anybody have any input? I mean, please give me all your input about this policy that I'm proposing. And everybody's going, no, boss, it's the greatest thing in, you know, since sliced bread. And in the back of your mind saying, man, this thing is really stupid and they're rolling their eyes. You know, they're not going to give me that interaction in this real, real formal setting. Okay. That's the way it is. Look, guys, I, I, I know because I used to sit in those seats and then the smart guys didn't show up on test day and I got promoted. But when you spend a little bit of time in the kitchen, you know, and you don't have your you know, white shirt on, uh, when you spend some time out there in the bay, when, you know, the day is over with and you just kind of engage with people a little bit. They open up a little bit more. And I think in those situations, they're more likely to receive the important messages that you're trying to send to them. So if you want to have that organization that encourages, uh, you know, encourages initiative and decision making and things like that, you know, the boss isn't going to be able to do that in an eight hour day in the formal meetings you're gonna if it's important to you you're gonna have to spend a little bit of sweat equity in the off hours to get that message you know people will receive the message when they are comfortable and ready to receive the message and when you're sitting in the classroom in the monthly platoon meetings yeah it's not the time to do it I, you know, and I do those meetings every month, you know, and I try and I do everything that I can and, and I try to get the word out to everybody, but I know, look, man, I know <laughs> I did not, I was not delivered with yesterday's milk. I've been in the firehouse 
a long time, and, and I get all that. And, and, and let me circle back, and I, there was one point, you know, and this just, just goes to speak to the fact that I got an AARP card like 20 years ago. And, you know, sometimes I forget to take my medicine. Right. But if we go back to the question that was submitted, I'm trying to figure out, you know, is that a new battalion chief? Did that battalion chief just get promoted? And I will say this, have that person asked themselves how much of a difference it was going from being a chauffeur or a backseat firefighter to the officer's seat. Sure. And anybody who's made that transition will say, man, that was a huge leap. Okay. In there, and it took me a long time to really figure it out and get comfortable. If we're talking about a newly promoted battalion chief, to an extent, you gotta, you know, the ties gotta go to the runner because that person may be trying to figure out their way right. in their new role. Maybe that person is questioning because they're just trying to develop a level of comfort in their role. So if, if it is a newly promoted chief, I give them a break. You yeah. gotta give them a break. I mean, look, look you know, I, you know, I, I, I was this hotshot stud, man. I used to tell everybody how cool I was. You know, I came off of, you know, an engine heavy rescue, and man, I, man, used I used to. Man. You, you, I, you, you used to. Yeah, yeah, I used okay. to be cool. You know, now I just <laughs> tell people how cool I used to be. But you know, and then I got promoted battalion chief. I go, man, this is nothing, man. You know, I blew the test away. They gave me the badge, big ceremony, and I came to work. And I started looking at the roster and I go, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. I got six stations I'm in charge of. I'm supervising six officers. I got 18 story residential high rises that I'm responsible for. I got the New Jersey Turnpike running through my city. It's like we're the regional hazmat team. We're the regional technical rescue team. And I went from, you know, a world that was that big to a world that was that big. So that may be another issue that's involved with the person who asked the question. And if it is, give them a little break. Yeah. Give them a little break. They may be trying to figure it out too. Sure. And to answer your question, it does say a newly promoted battalion chief. So (laughs) it absolutely is. And, and one thing from a psychological standpoint, you know, when you talk about going from being in charge of, because I'm assuming, and again, there's a lot to be left to the imagination on this, but I'm assuming that they went from being a company officer to a battalion chief. So you're responsible for four or five people, or in some departments, you might have two companies or an engine and a medic unit. So you're responsible for a few people. Now you're responsible for the whole battalion. And so psychologically, I think that plays a lot in it that, you know, I've had certain times during my career, and I know you have as well, where you go from leading a smaller group to a larger group. And now you have to figure out everybody's personalities. And now you have to figure out, okay, can I trust everybody? You know, this, this might not be a trust issue with this specific company officer. It might be that this guy got burned or gal got burned before. And so now they want justification to, you know, CYA. So they don't have to answer to the chief. Um, You know, so there's, I think you're right. There's a lot of stuff that could be playing here. Yeah, I mean, there's so much that you can unpack in this whole yeah, this whole thing. Yeah. You know, you, you know, you don't really know. Do what you can. Try to support. Say, hey, look, boss. You know, you're the boss. I get it. 
I'm not challenging on that. What can I do to support you? We'll see yeah. where it goes. Right? And you know, now it's very possible that could be the thing that just turns the whole relationship into gold, or it could go the other way. And if it does, it's like, all right, no problem, I get it. You know, and then just go out and do a pre-plan. Just go for a ladders. Go, go stretch line. Go, go, go do some fireman stuff. You know, yeah. firefighter stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and, and the biggest thing, and, and I, I just want to say this personally to whoever wrote this email, you know, for you or anyone that is like you in this similar situation, don't forget why we're here, you know, and, and I know, you know, in my current situations, in a lot of other people's current situations, it's hard to sit there and think about, okay, we're here for them. We're here because we need to provide that service that nobody else can. Cops can do CPR, uh, you know, they can do some of the minor stuff. We are the only organization that is trained and skilled and equipped to go put out fires. Yep. And so, you know, like you said, having that ability to focus on the firefighter stuff, focus on firemanship, focus on the things that are important to make sure that when the tones drop, we can be able to do that. Um, don't lose sight of that because I know this is all distractions and this is all stuff that can sure. pull you away from that, but don't let it. Yeah. Build, build a network too, you know, build, build a network. So, you know, maybe everything that I said, you know, isn't going to work in this situation, but you build a network and then all of a sudden somebody can say, Hey man, I was in that exact same situation. This is exactly what I did and it worked for me. You know? So, you know, it, it goes back to, you know, I've always been a fan of the more arrows you have in the quiver, the better chance you have of being successful. So don't reach out there, but, you know, build a network. I mean, send me an email if you want, you know, give me a ring. I, you know, I'm, you know, Dennis Riley, I work for the Pittsburgh, Kansas Fire Department. My email's on the website. Send me an email if I can help. Feel yeah, free. For sure. Well, good. Well, I can't thank you enough for joining us, uh, you know, to get your insight. Uh, I definitely think is, uh, it's always nice to hear varying opinions you know we're not always going to think alike we're not always going to see the same thing but it's it's so cool to hear your version uh from the chief's perspective but also as one of the back end people you know you used to ride the back seat you know what it's like and and i love the fact that you can still remember that and use that even though you have your aarp card and you might have not taken your meds that's right <laughs> it uh hey, hey listen you know that comes with a discount the early bird special at Denny's. So. <laughs> oh, I love it. So what, uh, where can people find you? I mean, I know Pittsburgh, uh, Kansas, yep. the website. Uh, you also do some stuff with FD, Taxic, FD Tactics uh, with Howard and all those guys. Yeah. What, what a great group. I mean, you know, I, I, I still pinch myself when he calls me and says, hey, listen, can you, uh, can you shoot out the Vegas on, it's like, you really? realize you're talking to me, right? <laughs> he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, what a great bunch of guys. So I do stuff with FD Tactics. Uh, I'm on Instagram at uh, CHFD Harley, like the motorcycle. Uh, you know, that's basically my Gmail address. You can find me on Facebook. I, I don't do too much on Facebook. It's like, yeah, you know, Facebook. Is yeah, Facebook's for old people anyway. Yeah, <laughs> that's what my, kid, that's what yeah. my kids say. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, I haven't gotten on the TikTok or that other type of stuff yet. But um, yeah, Instagram is a good way to find me. Uh, I'm actually, I'm going to Sullivan uh, this weekend uh, to teach. I get around, I do a little bit of teaching. I'll be, 
up at the lake for for the revolution yep. this summer so you know that's the way you get a hold of me if anybody's interested give me a shout you know if there's anything i always say this i've done a couple of podcasts you know once again i try to be a humble person and i believe it's very important to have humility as a leader but now i'm on podcast and social media and writing and it's like eh, you know, it's yeah like you that. you can do both i'm a firm yeah. believer you can do both i i yeah. think you can you do it well yeah. well uh, thank you i appreciate that yeah but, no. you know, reach out you know I, I i'm always here to help so it's no problem very cool. Well, you know, Pittsburgh is not that far from Kansas City. And uh, I know I've talked about it before in some of the podcasts. Uh, we're doing this, uh, the Hot Seat podcast. And I don't know how you like hot, spicy stuff. But uh, we'll definitely have to try to get you on for a, uh, for, a, for a hot seat interview where you just eat the spicy hot wings and we'll see what happens. What's well, going hey, you know, Kansas City, you can't go wrong. Is You know, you, you, may, you make a day out of it, you can have barbecue at lunch and then wings at night. Absolutely. I will make it happen. So, all right. Well, thanks again, Chief, for everybody that is listening and watching on uh, the, the podcast formats, the uh, YouTube, Facebook, all that. Thank you for continuing to submit. We love hearing from you guys. Uh, until the next time we talk to you, take care, be safe, and we'll see you soon.